On today's episode, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a real peacemaker on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And we're going to be talking today about what it means to be a peacemaker. And here's the here's the uh, the title here, and then here's the scripture I want to look at. And uh, as we look at the scripture today, I want to uh, keep in mind that um, the way non Christians tend to look at being peacemakers or poor in spirit or the meek are way different than the way Jesus saw it. Jesus saw the poor in spirit as as uh, really uh, people who are closest to God because of their poverty of spirit. But the world looks at it like they mock them as losers, right? The meek are seen as weak. Those who hunger uh, for righteousness are seen are seen as religious fanatics uh, or hypocrites. Uh, the uh, the pure in heart is seen as crazy, and the peacemakers are basically seen as passive in general. This is the way the world, you know, without God's lens, might might look at the the uh, the beatitudes. And so again, here's the scripture. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And we find that beatitudes, uh, these beatitudes uh, demonstrate further the idea that, that, um, that Jesus actually has a, a kingdom culture that he expects his followers to have. And he transforms them from, from rabbit wolves right, in sin to gentle lambs. And these lambs are not passive the way the world may think so or weak in any way, but they operate in a different strength, in a different principle than the world does. And their strength is greater than anything the world can throw at them. And if you don't believe this, just read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read read uh, about uh, different martyrs through through history, how they had no fear whatsoever and no, no passivity when it came to dying because they knew they were going to meet their God. And so, but this also speaks to us, this, this beatitude also speaks to us of, of what it means to have godly wisdom, right? And godly wisdom looks something like this in the book of James. It says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And uh, we find that this is very close to what we, what we'll talk about today, and we're going to cover that later, but... Did you know that every every Christian needs to be a peacemaker? Every every Christian, everyone who calls himself a Christian, needs to be a peacemaker in, 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 in any way. And why? Because, number one, God is a peacemaker. And the very same verb, peacemaker, is also used by Paul when he talked about the work of Jesus on the cross in Colossians 1.20, when he says that through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Imagine doing something like giving your life and letting yourself die as a way to bring peace to a situation. That's what a peacemaker does. And Jesus was very clear when he said, I don't, you don't take my life, I lay it down. So a peacemaker is not a passive idea. It is actually a very controlled idea and and it's 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 rife with surrender and choice to surrender our wills to God so 
peace uh, usually doesn't come until you make it. And Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. But also we find that that every every follower of Jesus has to be a peacemaker because every Christian will, in one way or another, face opposition. In fact, when you live out of the culture of the kingdom of Jesus, you will you will come under opposition. And you may not believe it today. We're in Western culture where there's tolerance and all these things, but things will get worse in time. And we find that there's less tolerance today than there used to be for Christians in culture. Often Christians are attacked and harassed and, and, and they're, they are criticized. And if, if they speak up, they're called bigots and you know hypocrites and all this. And um, so that's why 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Now, he was talking to the Christians in those days who were persecuted because of their godliness. It's a little different today. But uh, here's another reason why we have to be persecuted as, as followers of Jesus, because uh, you, cannot, um, uh, you cannot genuinely worship without being, without being um, a peacemaker. Think about it. We how how does peace make how does peacemaking and worship come together, and uh, this beatitude shows one of the qualifications for true worship, being reconciled with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and even those who who maybe don't know Christ who might have hurt you to release them, and and just you know don't charge it to their account so to speak, but Matthew five twenty three is very specific when it says so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Now, it, it doesn't mean that if, if you didn't do anything and, and, and someone sees you as an offense, that you have to go apologize to them for being who you are. This isn't what, not what that means. It, this is based on something you did wrong, right? And someone has something against you, Jesus says, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Now, that's a pretty radical Thing when you think about it, and imagine for for a moment, imagine that um, you you're going to church to worship and to just be with fellow believers, and and you have great expectation. You're hungry for God, or you you just want to be with Him. You've had an exhausting week, and you say, God, I just need your help today. And so you're ready to to praise Him, and your heart is melted. Your your life is ready to, to surrender. The moment is powerful. It's sacred. It's awesome. And you're anticipating something incredible is going to happen. At that very moment, imagine this. God speaks to you. He he says, stop. And he gives you a person's name. And he says to them, you offended them by the way you spoke to them. You hurt them by how you treated them. And he says, stop and go make yourself right with them. Go make it right with them and then come back and worship. That's how radical Jesus sees it. That it's not an apology. It's not just, well, you know, I'm right and they're wrong and God has to deal with them. No, it's God says, go. And Jesus commanded his disciples, somebody put it this way, to interrupt the solemn act of temple sacrifice to go seek reconciliation before they come back and finish. That's how radical this is. So, a question I want to, I want to ask you today is is um, 
how the world, with its own ideas, sees the Beatitudes, or maybe this is a comment, not a question, but how the world sees the Beatitudes are way different than how, how we're supposed to see the Beatitudes according to Jesus. But first, what, what, what the peacemaker is not, okay? What, what the peacemaker is not. And we, we've done this before. We show you the, ne- the negative of something before. We show the positive of something. And here's what the peacemaker is not. The peacemaker is not, is, is not one who brings peace at any cost. Think about an appeaser, right? An appeaser tries to make everybody happy and ends up making no one happy, them least of all. Isn't that true? And Thomas Watson, a a famous mystic, he said, peace cannot be sought by selling the truth. You can't really have true peace if you're going to hide truth under the rug and bury truth. That's why Christians have to stand for what they believe today in a respectful, loving way. They have to stand and not be intimidated by anybody. Uh, Romans 12, 18 says, "If, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Notice that word, Possible, if it is possible. It's not always possible to have peace because you can't have peace at every cost. Because if you have to surrender your truth, then there's no point. If you have to surrender what you believe in Jesus, then there's no point in in having peace. What kind of peace is that? So do your part and leave the rest to God. It's impossible to have a complete peace with someone whose life sharply opposes God, whether it's their values, lifestyle, or convictions. And we can have a semblance of peace, but in the end, people have to know where you stand. You can't hide that, right? So another reason why uh, what peace is not, uh, another thing that peace is not, is peace is not this. Uh, peace is not uh, grace at any cost, or, or at, rather at no cost. Grace at no cost. And uh, grace at no cost is simply the idea that, you know, I've heard people say things like, me and the guy upstairs have this deal. We have this understanding. And I, I, I kind of chuckle or smile when I hear that because when you read the scriptures for what they are, never does God ever negotiate with us in our sin. God is the one who sets the term because he's sovereign, he's God, and we're the ones who submit to him. That's a fact. And that's one of the rubs of, of why some people won't follow Christ because they're like, man, that I don't want to follow a guy like that. That's that's slavery, you know. Um, um Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was martyred literally for for Christ in Germany during World War II. It says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living in incarnate and incarnate that is a quite a mouthful from Dietrich Bonhoeffer but it's true that real grace costs us something real grace is not this cheap thing that says well you can just come to Christ and you don't have to forsake your sins and you don't have to repent anyone who, who tells you that they're selling something don't believe them because Jesus was very clear about repentance John the Baptist talked about repentance, repent and see the kingdom, change your mind, change the way you think and see the kingdom. And so, but here's another thing that that a peacemaker is not. A peacemaker is not, uh, it, uh, doesn't mean lack of, it doesn't mean lack of disagreement or, or absence of conflict. 
sometimes people think that Christians are supposed to be these passive, you know, cherub-faced people that have have a beatific, beatific joy all the time and just smiling and you can do anything to them and they have the same face. And years ago, I talked to a young married couple who were newlyweds and I, I always like to ask them, how's the marriage? How are you doing? Because it's, it's, it's a pastor thing. But, but uh, I said, how's it going? And, and the husband said, well, we've never had a fight and never will. And my response was, and I, I said this lightly, kind of joking, I said, give it time. And he, here's the point. Some, sometimes we can wrongfully imagine that being a peacemaker means that you will never disagree or fight, but will always get along just perfectly. And that is an illusion that is not true. Part of being a peacemaker is that you have to work through your issues right, and, and, and repent and submit to each other. And there's a scripture that says, submit to one another in, in, in the fear of God. So others don't know how to disagree with other, with other Christians without demonizing them, without judging them and pronouncing them evil and saying, you know, you're, you're lost, you're not really a Christian. And that's not the idea of a peacemaker either. A, peace, a peacemaker doesn't, doesn't hurl personal insults. A peacemaker doesn't personally try to offend. Um, they may offend, but it, hopefully it's inadvertent, it's, it's not meant. And so this beatitude points to the skill of learning to disagree peaceably. Being a lamb doesn't mean a Christian never fights, but that they fight in a way that is peaceable and in the spirit of reconciliation. But one more thing that a peacemaker is not is an easygoing person or easygoing personality necessarily, right? We all know people that are easygoing. A bomb can go off and they're like, oh, I'm just chill. I'm just kind of hanging out, you know, just doing my thing here. And little little rattles them because they're easygoing, and the world can be ending, and they're just kind of, you know, zen about it. Sometimes easygoing people can be non-confrontational or passive-aggressive, making it the opposite of peace. So an easygoing personality does not mean that you're a peacemaker. So today, what is a peacemaker? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? A peacemaker is one who embraces Jesus' call to reconcile and not divide. That's the bottom line of what a peacemaker is, according to 2 Corinthians 5.18. And it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And, and that says it beautifully, that scripture. And reconciliation looks something like this. And I put this together based on that scripture I just read to you. Uh, or, or rather, here's the scripture right above it. Uh, James 3.17 that says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And this is what a spirit of reconciliation looks like. It has pure motive, which means God's God gets the glory, not me. It's not about my pride, my hubris. It's not about me deserving an apology. Because often you won't get an apology and you still have to be at peace with that and say, Lord, all justice comes from you. It's peaceable. In other words, it's not uh, done in anger or vengeance. It's not vindictive. It's not this mean-spirited thing that intimidates back if you get intimidated. It's willing to yield. It's it's not my way or else. Uh, that's a big one for marriage. In marriage, we have to learn how to yield to each other because 
we're not always 100% right. And, and we need to learn how to go back and forth yielding to each other. And, and we have to surrender the need to always be right. That's a big deal. Full of mercy, not full of demands for justice or apology, but full of mercy. And I've seen far too many Christians say, well, I'm not going to forgive them until they apologize, or I'm not going to you know, release them until they apologize. And hey, you may be waiting a long time, so it's better that you make peace with God on it and say, God, I surrender that to you and move on and be a real peacemaker. But also no bias or hypocrisy. This is what James says in that scripture, partiality or hypocrisy, right? No agenda but God's. It's real. That's not put on. It's it's not a cheap apology that says, oh, I'm so sorry. But at its heart, it's kind of, you know, like just just making an artificial kind of peace. But a peacemaker is also this. It is one who commits, or who is committed, rather, to self-control. James talked about the source of troubles between people. When he said those conflicts, where do they come from, right? And disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? What does he mean there? He's talking about the idea that, that when we fight with each other, Often it's not because necessarily I'm right and they're wrong, or they're wrong and I'm right, or, or you know the other the other way around. But but often it's it's some kind of pride in one person, or anger issues in another person, or one person had a bad week, or one person is depressed, or it's often these things that are warring inside of us that cause the problem to begin with. The flesh can envy others, it can lust, and not have what it wants. It can be jealous, it can it can disagree pridefully, and these are all desires and we can lust for justice we can lust for vengeance and, and and confront in anger and not get anything right and that's why not all protests are good protests right some are done in such angry and vindictiveness and evil pure evil that they have nothing to do with god's justice and saint augustine said this beautifully i don't think of anyone who could have said it better he said for a man is not able to rule over things which are inferior, unless he subjects himself to what is superior. And what is superior? Jesus. If I subject myself to Jesus and, and the Beatitudes he's trying to create in my life and, and bring into my life through the Holy Spirit, then I will truly change. And he is the superior, and my, my angry emotions and my selfishness and my pride, those are inferior. And, and that's the difference here. And, and so that's why James... He tells us again what is inferior when he says this. He says in James 3.13, But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is every envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Again, our desires get us in trouble. And, and we find that pride is inferior, jealousy, jealousy is inferior, stubbornness is inferior, self-will, all these things are always inferior and have nothing to do with God. And that's why Hebrews gives us this command of what is superior. He says, pursue peace with everyone. Pursue peace with everyone. So what is the promise to the peacemaker today? The promise to the peacemaker is simply this, like father, like son, they shall be called the children of God. What a beautiful thing to say. And we find that another another verse in James, James seems to have really 
really killed it with this subject in, in, uh, in his letter about peace when he says this, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. So there's a, there's a promise there that God gives us that if we become peacemakers, then God will in turn become uh, sow peace into our lives. We'll have peace because we're peacemakers. But if we do, if we do the opposite, we won't. So to next time, I, I want to thank you for being with us, and it's been great uh, just doing this series. And we have one one more, and it's about the persecuted. And so until next time, check out the website and and leave a comment, uh, leave a like and subscribe to us and check out our YouTube channel, Soul Zero Two. And until next time, thanks so much for being with us. 